0: For being with me, we turn our attention now to Blessed Carlo Acutis. Uh, as Catholics in America try to recover a vibrant sense of what's at stake in the Eucharist, with me to talk about the life of uh, Carlo is Karina Turner, author of several books, including "The Boy Who Knew Carlo Acutis." Great to make your acquaintance, Karina. Thank you.
1: Hello, nice to meet you, too. Uh,
0: let me ask you a little bit about uh, the very beginning of Carlo's life. He was born when?
1: Uh, he was born in May 1991 in London, uh, but very shortly um, they moved back to Italy because they were only there for business. So British people are quite happy that he was born here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right, lay claim. That's good. Um, his, tell me a little bit about his uh, family environment.
1: Yes, um, he grew up as an only child, and um, his family weren't really very religious. They didn't really take him to church um, much. Um, And it was really uh, Carlo's love of Jesus that uh, brought them back to faith, because he would would ask his mother questions that she couldn't answer. And especially whenever he passed the church, he always wanted to go in um, to say hello to Jesus um, and just sort of gradually... um, his mother um, had to had to find the answers for him because he was so small. Um, oh. and I think she said something like, um, "He was so small, but so certain." Um, really? And yeah, he was he was quite he was quite a well off family. Um, he liked all the normal things. Um, he loved animals. He had about he had four dogs, oh. uh, two cats, and lots of goldfish. And he did a lot of normal things. Um, but people did say to his mother, "Your son is special." Because he was just very kind and very um, radiant.
0: Do we know anything about the um, I don't know the 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 antecedent conditions that led to his uh, almost intuitive grasp of uh, the divine?
1: I haven't. I haven't heard much about that. Mostly, what I've heard is that it was it was very. Um, surprising because he wasn't really getting um, any external input, and yet he developed this intense um, love and interest um, about Jesus, and his mother would uh, find that he was reading books about the saints, and he was wanting to hear about Jesus, and she didn't know where it was coming from.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. That is just amazing. In fact, we have a little clip uh, from... uh Carlo's mother. Uh, why don't I want to just play it here. It really talks about the importance of the Eucharist in uh, uh, Carlo's life. Let's take a little listen here. The
1: Eucharist is the light of the world. So I assure you my prayers. I ask you also your prayers. Carlo will be beatified at the 10th of October in Assisi, which is a special place where St. Francis of Assisi is buried. And St. Francis was a big lover of the Eucharist, really a big lover. He, he used to attend two Mass a day, Carlo one Mass a day, used to attend since he was seven years old. Each, year, each day he was always doing a, a Eucharistic adoration. So really Carlo showed us uh, uh, his love for, uh, for the Eucharist, uh, like St. Francis because the Eucharist is really the most supernatural uh, things we have in the world.
0: Again, that's Carlo Acutis' mother testifying to his great love of the Eucharist, which, again, seemed to have almost, I mean, I, I don't want to get overly technical here, but it, it seems to have almost been infused. Um, it, it's, nobody's been able to identify how any external sources that led him to be persuaded, that seems as almost he saw the reality directly. Um, the the when did he begin um, this? When was his love for the Eucharist noticed by his parents? How early on?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it had been evident for some time when he asked to um, off his own. Of his own back to receive First Holy Communion, which was at the age of seven. Okay. Um, okay. But by that point, I think it had been sort of going on for quite a while. Right,
0: right. And it, I saw that he never missed daily Mass uh, from the age of 11. Is, is that true? At
1: the age of seven, I think. Seven, um, okay. He received First Holy Communion at seven, um, and the former um, Pope's uh, Secretary of the Pope. Um, interviewed him and checked if he was mature and if he understood the faith, and then gave permission. And he, but he advised that it was done in a quiet place so that um, the concentration could be on receiving the Eucharist and not on a big party. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Carlo mm-hmm. received that um, a convent, um, and he walked under a, a door um, to go to go in to receive for the first time. And over the door it said, "God is enough."
0: <laughs> when did he begin? Um Collecting uh, stories of Eucharistic miracles.
1: Yes, I think that was when he was about eleven. Okay. Um, because once he, he was confirmed, he became a catechist, um, and he um, he we uh, he heard it, he heard it somewhere, and I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly where. Something inspired him um, that if he could, might have been. Um, mm, anyway. <laughs> sorry. Um, Something inspired him that if he could get people to understand that um, the Eucharist really was Jesus, then people would obviously um, convert and come to Jesus. So Uh he started to go all over Italy with his parents, uh, documenting all the Eucharistic miracles that were approved by the Church. Um, And he created a display by the time he was 14, which has now been absolutely all over the world. Wow. And he also created a website um, with it all on. And he created a couple of other websites as well, sort of uh, heaven and hell, and um, uh, find a friend in heaven, a saint, yeah. and that
0: sort of thing. Well. well, you know, when you when you hear of somebody like Carlo, your first thought is, "Wow, glad to have him on the team." Um, <laughs> uh, but then he dies young. What happened? I mean, was he? Did he see any uh, point to his early death? I mean I you know he's the kind of guy I'd, I'd hope would stick around for a while. <laughs>
1: um he 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 took it all extremely calmly. Um he immediately offered um all his suffering for uh, for the the pope, for the church and for his own um immediate entry to heaven um to skip purgatory. Mm. Um and he yeah, he he was totally um calm about it. He, uh, I'm just trying to think of what the quote was, um, yes, that's it, he said, I die happy because I did not spend my life wasting my time on things not pleasing to
0: God. Wow. 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 Yeah. Uh, how did he get, I mean, given his high uh, spiritual interests, his intense love of the Eucharist, how did he get along with his friends?
1: Well, that's really interesting because he, he got on with his friends, you know, really well. He was very popular, um, but he, despite the fact that he would be completely open about his faith and he would, um, you know, invite people to, to church things, he would even defend his pro-life beliefs in class um, and even, you know, in the early, <laughs> early um, years of the century, that was still uh, quite
0: something. Yeah, yeah. Uh- when uh, What were the circumstances uh, of his uh, decline? How, how early did he realize that he had a serious illness?
1: It all happened very quickly, actually. Um, I think it was very early in October. They, they thought he had flu, um, and within a week or two, he was in hospital, um, and he was diagnosed with um, an acute form of leukemia, and it was... Um, Less
0: than a
1: week after the diagnosis, I think he, he died.
0: Wow! So it was all—it um, was all extremely um, rapid. Yeah. So, a matter, matter of what two weeks looks like—is that right? Sorry?
1: About um, two weeks after, yeah. 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 That's
0: amazing. That—that that is truly amazing. Um, do we know? Uh, I mean, any famous last words?
1: Um, One of the very last things he said was extremely moving um, because a nurse uh, asked him if um, he would like the nurse to wake his mother because uh, Carla was suffering. And he said to her, um, no, don't wake her um, because she is very tired as well and she will only worry more. Wow. So he was lying there dying um, and he wouldn't let the nurse wake his mother, which sort of says everything about him, really.
0: Huh. What has he, I mean, this is, Remar- just a remarkable human being uh, what has he left behind that uh, you know you mentioned the Eucharistic Miracle uh, uh, website uh, what, other, what other artifacts do we have that uh, people can look at uh, get to understand his life and even maybe participate uh, in his uh, uh, sanctity
1: Yes. Um, obviously, um, there are his websites, which anyone can simply go and look at. Um, there's the Eucharistic Miracle Exhibition, um, which you can have come to your parish. A friend of mine has just arranged it for her parish. Um, and then there is um, his tomb, um, which was opened for the beatification um, and that, I think they may have opened it again. Anyway, when they had it open for the beatification, that was on live stream as well. So you, if you couldn't go to Italy, you could look um, on live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly said they were opening it again. So I hope they, they do. Um, and his his heart was intact and placed in um, a reliquary.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, and uh, his parents sort of took it up and presented it during the beatification um, ceremony which was quite moving. Um, uh, I I should explain when I said they opened his tomb he was um he was sort of um not sure what the official definition is because it's been a bit confusing but he's partially incorrupt. Okay. And they sort of um they sort of restored the body and um he was on display with uh, modern modern clothing so it was quite um quite moving really.
0: Wow. Uh- one last quick question here: Do we who who backed his cause? I mean, there was no religious order behind it, was there? No, there wasn't a religious order.
1: Um, you know, I'm not actually sure. I think it may have been his
0: diocese. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sorry, I'm not actually sure. No, it's just it's curious to me because it can be awfully complicated. And um, thank you so much, Corinna Wonderful talking to you, and I hope we can talk again.
1: Thank you. Nice to speak to you.